you have your Bibles this morning and you would find with me first Samuel, the 25th chapter. And um, there's another place in the New Testament I'd like for you to find for the very end of the sermon. And so you can find that as we go. But that's John, the 14th chapter, first Samuel 25 and John 14. Um, we have been going through the book of First Samuel verse by verse, like we do with every book that we study. And uh, we have been looking at the fact that Saul had been chosen as the king, and yet his jealousy had caused him to have a hatred for David. And he had pursued David, tried to kill David. And last week, and the few weeks before that, we had been looking at rebellion or repentance. And we looked about how David had an opportunity to kill Saul, solve all his problems, but yet didn't. And right in the middle of this story, as we finish chapter 24, there is a verse in verse 1. And most people read over it, they skip it, and they move on. But it is a remarkable verse, a simple verse, but yet all of this drama with Saul and David and then we get ready to move into the rest of chapter 5. And it's all about David and, 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 his, and all that's going on. But right here in verse 1 of chapter 25, there is a reference to Samuel. One of the greatest men of the Old Testament. A man that God had used and he even told Jeremiah that I wouldn't even give that request if Samuel was standing here asking it. I believe Samuel was like Moses and Noah, uh, Elijah, just a man that God used mightily. If you remember, he was born to a lady who could not have children. And this lady had husband had married another woman and she was able to have children. And she would make fun of Samuel's mother about the fact that she couldn't have children. And, and Samuel's mother went to God and, and in tears and in prayers begged God. And Samuel's name can even be interpreted that God has heard or received from God. And so Samuel is a miracle that God gives to his mother. And she gives Samuel to the temple to, to be trained and to serve and, and to be used by God. And Samuel led Israel for 40 years, loved them and cared for them. And, and God used him in a mighty way. But yet, Samuel had no longer been the judge. And Samuel's life comes to an end. And today the title of the sermon is When Life Happens. Even in all this chaos, even in all the difficulties, even in all the challenges, no matter how busy you are, there is something that will come and wreck every bit of that. And that is death. Death is something that is no respecter of persons. And so today I want to talk to you about when life happens. And if you will stand with me, out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, we're going to look at one verse, this one verse sandwiched in between all of this. I believe the Bible is perfect. Amen? I believe the Bible has no errors in it. Amen? And so if God put this one verse here, I don't know who you are, or what you've been through. But God put it here. For each and every one of us. Verse 1. Then Samuel died. 
And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Pray with me. Father, today I come just stand amazed at who you are. And Lord, I don't, I don't know. This is not the sermon I would have picked. Lord, I was just going to blow right through this verse as an add-on. But God, you knew that something else was needed today. And so, Father, I pray today that you would accomplish your purposes. Father, that your spirit would work and move. And Lord, today that you would show us what you want. Father, I ask your forgiveness for anything in my heart or life that would hinder or grieve your spirit. Father, I pray that you would be magnified in all that is said and done. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this great man of the Old Testament is given one verse about his death. You would say, well, Jake, there should be chapters about this. I mean, this is almost like it's a footnote in all that is going on. But there are three things I want to show you this morning that I think we can take from this verse that is so important for our life. And the first is this, if you're taking note, death affects us all. Death affects us all. Look at these first three words. Then Samuel died. It doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter how insignificant you are. It doesn't matter how great people think of you. It doesn't matter if anyone thinks of you at all. Death affects all of us. You say, Jake, I've never lost someone. I've never lost a loved one. Eventually, you will. You say today, Jake, I'm dealing with the loss of a loved one. Then you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you have just entered, you've just finished a season of grief for loss. You say, Jake, well, what does loss look like? Sometimes loss is relationships. Sometimes loss is emotional. Sometimes loss is physically losing someone. And this morning, I want you to know that death or separation affects all of us. And this morning, I think this is important because most of us, if we're honest, don't want to think about death. No one wakes up in the morning and says, boy, I can't wait to go to the funeral home today. That's not our immediate thought. And yet, death is something that each and every one of us, the Bible says, unless the Lord takes us home first, will deal with. The Bible literally talks about it. But yet in this season of life, probably between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it is one of the most busy times of the year, right? You're doing your Christmas shopping. You're getting together with family. You're, you're trying to fit all this in with church and work. And, and for the first time ever, they're having a staff Christmas party since I'm here. And I'm dreading it like the plague, you know. And, and so it's on my account. Not that I don't like our staff. I just don't like parties. And so, but, uh, but I'm, I'm dreading that. It's a Friday night, you know. And then we got Christmas programs at church and band. Everybody loves the band, you know, the, the fifth grade band concert where the kids don't know how to play yet. But you sit through and you think, man, that's my kid. That's, you know, you know, and, and it's just a busy time of year. And yet it, it's so busy that we forget that tomorrow is not promised. You see, this morning, I want you to think about this, that each and every one of us need to realize that the fact that you're here today is a blessing. Every day is a gift from God. God didn't have to wake you up this morning. God could have decided that your time was enough. Listen to how the book of Ecclesiastes describes life. 
in chapter 3, verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. You say, Jake, I'm young. I'm healthy. I, I've got my whole life in front of me. I, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about that. When I get old and, and decrepit, then I'll begin to, to think about that. There are some of you that genuinely think that, 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 that death's not coming for you, that, that maybe you can outlive it or, or technology will advance far enough that, that you won't have to worry about it. I can remember when I started working at Walgreens, I was 21 years old. And those 36-year-old people whose hair was starting to fall out and their, their front porch was starting to become a wraparound and, and they would complain about hurting and aching. I can remember making fun of them like, you are so old. Right, You are old as dirt, right? What was it like to, to see Amazing Grace on manuscript, right? Or, or, or what was it like when the, the Big Dipper was just a cup? You know, all kinds of them. And, 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 uh, and now that I'm 36 years old, I realize that 36 is not very old. And some of you are here that are 60, you're saying 60 is not very old. And some of you that are 80, you're saying 80 is not very old. And, and you're still thinking this, this way that, right, you just blink and it's gone. This last week, I told my wife, I was like, do you see those things on my forehead? And, you know, she's more like, you mean five head because there's so much of it there. I said, look at them three giant wrinkles across my forehead. What is that? Well, it's a lack of sleep and trying to make your forehead keep your eyebrows open. That's what happens. And she goes, well, you could get Botox. Take those wrinkles right away. She said, if you did, didn't you? <laughs> now, two pays I'd spend the money on, wrinkles, no. But uh, she won't let me get a toupee, but it's coming. I can tell you that. But, and I thought, a couple hundred bucks, man, I'd have me a shiny five head instead of a wrinkly five head. And I started thinking, what's that? That's so dumb. I don't need to spend that kind of money on my forehead. But how many times do we spend all of our money? <laughs> you're, you're thinking about that, aren't you? Now, aren't you? He does have three wrinkles on his forehead. That looks terrible. Do we spend money and time and effort trying to avoid what is coming? Yet I want you to hear this morning that it doesn't matter how healthy you are, how much money you have, what you think you have going for you, that death comes for all of us. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. You see, friends, today you need to realize something that you and I are all going to one day stand before God. It doesn't matter how great we are in life. It doesn't matter how uh, ungreat we think we are. It doesn't matter how much money we have or how little money we have. It doesn't matter how many degrees we have or how many degrees we don't have that death comes to all of us that judgment that all of us standing before God is going to happen and so while we should enjoy life why you should be thankful for your life you should be thankful for your blessings you should be taking time during this Christmas season and thanking God for what he has done never forget that what really matters is not this life it is the life to come it is what happens after you take your final breath. It is what happens when you and I stand before a holy and perfect God and have to give an account to whether or not we are covered by the blood of Jesus or whether we are guilty in our sins and trespasses before God. And so even though Samuel was a great man, 
God had used him to do amazing things. Even for Samuel, his day came. Second thing I want to show you this from this text this morning, though, is we should honor those who God has used to shape our lives. We should honor those who God has used to shape our lives. It goes on in verse 1 of chapter 25. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. Now, I don't want you to miss this. All of Israel comes. Now, we don't know if Saul and David came. The Bible doesn't tell us that or not, but most likely David didn't get to go just with the situation with Saul and all that was going on. But have you noticed something here? If you know anything about Samuel's life, they honored him at death, but they didn't honor him in life. And you and I are guilty of that. How many of you have ever lost someone and said, man, I wish I would have, or I wish we would have, or, or a relationship has ended and you thought, man, I wish this hadn't have happened or, or that hadn't have happened. I heard a person say one time as they were sick and at the end of their life said these words, I want people to come visit me now, not at the visitation, at the funeral home. And think about this. In Samuel's life, he judged Israel for 40 years. He was a good judge. The judge before him, he stayed in one town, Shiloh. He judged everything from there. But that wasn't Samuel. Samuel traveled around and judged and preached and loved the people and cared for them. He, he was one that God had used over and over again. But Samuel had two sons. And those sons entered the ministry with him, but were not like him. And the nation of Israel told Samuel, yes, you've done a good job. And yes, we're thankful for you. But if you don't care, we don't want you anymore. We want a king. And even after they wanted a king, Samuel told them, this king, <coughs> he's going to raise your taxes. He's going to send your young men into war. He's going he's to put burdens on you that you don't need or shouldn't have. Don't go this route. And the people said, no, 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 we want a king. And, but yet at Samuel's death, they all came. And this morning, I want you to know you should be thankful for the people that God has used in your life to make you who you are today. These people came out of respect for Samuel. They came to honor him. They came to mourn for his loss. But listen to what the Bible says in Psalms 116 verse 15. Because so many times people look at death as that God has abandoned us. That God doesn't care about us. But listen to what it says in Psalms 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That word for precious is the same word that is used that a godly wife is more precious than rubies. When God allows one of his children to die, it is not because he doesn't love them. It's not because he doesn't care. It is because God knows what is waiting for them. God knows that heaven is much sweeter than here. God knows what heaven is going to be like for them. What it's going to be like to see Jesus 
face to face. What it's going to be like to be in a place where there is no sickness, nor death, nor pain, nor tears. God knows that. And so today I want you to know this, that precious is the death of the Lord's saints in his eyes. And so today I want you to know this, that if God cares about people at their passing and God cares about those that know him, you and I should not only honor those who have gone before us, but also those who are living and pouring into our lives today. Listen to what First Timothy says in chapter 5. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. We are in a day and age where the teaching of God's word doesn't matter. We're in a day and age when the people who raise their children in a godly Christian home, the world says they don't matter. But whoever has poured into your life the Word of God. That Sunday school teacher who has prayed and taught you. That, that little, uh, the, the, the person who volunteers to teach vacation Bible school. The van driver that picked you up on the bus and brought you to church. The, the person who showed up on your door and, and invited you to church. The, the person who shared the gospel with you. The people that God has used in your life to make you who you are today. You should honor them just like they honored Samuel. But today my chance challenge to you is don't wait to honor them until they're gone. Today, tell them how God has blessed them, blessed you through them. Make sure that you spend time with those people who love Jesus and love you and be reminded that even if you're not honored in life, that God will reward you for the labors that you do. You see, Samuel died, one, being thrown away by the nation. He died seeing the king that God had given them, Saul, that they wanted become evil and wicked. Samuel died having two sons that disqualified themselves from the ministry. Samuel died watching the king that he had anointed to take over living in a cave. You see, if I'm Samuel, I'm thinking, did I do anything that lasted? Did I make any difference at all? But yet we know that he did. We know that God honored his labor. And so this morning I want to challenge you. Maybe you've got children that have grown up in church but have ran from God. Maybe you've got people that you've invited to church. You've tried to talk about Jesus. Maybe there's people that you've tried to care for and love in the name of Jesus and they've hurt you and betrayed you and failed you. Don't give up. God sees your labor. God knows your labor. And God will reward that labor. And so we see here that death comes to all of us. We see that honor should be given to those that God has used to shape us. But the third and final thing, you say, man, this is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard. Just wait. I promise you it gets better. We cannot let loss keep us from living for God. Look what it says here. We finish this verse. Then Samuel died and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. You see, David could have said, huh, 
the one ally I have, Samuel, is gone. The king that I followed is trying to kill me. My family has been taken from me. I have literally lost everything. Just going to quit. I'm going to give up. And if you're honest today, all of us have probably been there. And if you've never been there, there will be a day when it will come. Just want you to hear this straight up today. There will come a day. But David didn't. David kept living. David kept avoiding Saul. David kept going where God wanted him to go. And this morning, it doesn't matter if it's the loss of confidence in someone that you trusted. It doesn't matter if it's the loss of a loved one through death. It doesn't matter if it's the loss of a relationship. Today, God wants you to know that He has a purpose and plan for your life. It might not be exactly what you thought it was going to be. It might not be something that you think you can accomplish. It might not even be something that you think you can do. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is getting ready to go back to heaven. And this is what he tells the disciples. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, if you're here today and you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And the Bible says he will comfort you, that he will lead you, that he will guide you, that he will convict you, that he will keep you. If you will follow him and trust him, God's plans for you going forward will be something that he can use. You say, well, Jake, I just I don't agree with that. In Second Samuel chapter 12, King David has made a great mess of things. King David slept with another man's wife. He had that man murdered. And because of that, the punishment was the child was going to die. And as this unfolds, the child is sick. It's a newborn. And David is praying. David is in sackcloth and ashes asking God to change his mind. To spare the child. And something happens in this passage of scripture. And if you're familiar with it, you know child dies and the people that are David's closest confidence are terrified to tell him and they're whispering they don't know what to say they don't know what to do David hasn't ate David hasn't done anything except for pray and beg God and listen to what it says in verse 19 just for the sake of time when David saw that his servants were whispering David perceived that the child was dead Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes and went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house and when requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said, what is this you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious for me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? 
can I bring him back again? And don't miss these words. They are some of the most encouraging words in the entire Bible. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David says, I prayed for a miracle. And when the miracle didn't come, I'm going to live my life knowing that one of these days I'm going to see him again. That's the hope that I have. You say, preacher, I'm telling you what, this is the most depressing sermon you've ever preached. I want you to turn to John 14 with me. If you don't have your Bible with you, I want you to get your phone out. I can't believe I'm telling someone this in church. If you have Bible Gateway or a Bible app, I want you to find John chapter 14. And I want you to highlight it in your app. I want you to make a note of it in your Bible. Because even though death comes to all of us, even though we should honor those who have invested in us, and even though the Lord wants us to move forward after loss, all of our hope is built in one thing, and that's in Jesus and what He's done for us. Starting in chapter 14, verse what? I want you to read with me every time it says your or you. And I want you to count them on your hand with me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told. I go to prepare a place for. And if I go and prepare a place for. I will come again and receive to myself. And where I am, there may be also. And where I go, know. And the way, you know. Nine times, Jesus says, your or you. Why is that? Because when loss happens in our life, guess who is affected? You. And he literally says, or I want to read it to you and I want you to listen. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Jesus says the only way to overcome death the over, only way to overcome loss, the only way to live a life that honors God after losing the people that we love is to remember that God has prepared a heavenly home for us. That God has prepared a place that you and I will live with Him and to live with those that love Him forever. Now, I know the sermon's been dry and long and depressing. I know that this morning. But that was an amen moment. God has prepared a place for those that love Him. Loss is going to come. Death is going to happen. Funerals are going to be attended. You are going to bury the people you love if you live long enough. And the only way to live through that and to and to 
to live a life that honors God is to remember the promise that He gave us that this world is not our home. God didn't just prepare a place for someone else. He prepared a place for you. And He says it over and over and over again. And Thomas said to Him, Lord, we do not know where You are going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I preach a lot of funerals. A lot of them are not involved with our church at all. And what I can tell you is, no family has ever even thought that their loved one didn't go to heaven. Every funeral I've ever been to, People could not love God, not, not be involved in church, not recognize the things of God at all. And you don't have heard it every single funeral I've ever preached. Well over 170 something, I think. They're in heaven. Friends, this morning I want you to know that death is appointed to each of us. But heaven is not. Heaven is a place that God has created for those who love Him and will spend eternity with Him. It is greater than the Bible can even describe. It's more wonderful than our little pea brains can even comprehend. But Jesus said, there's only one way to get there. There are not two ways to get there. There are not three ways to get there. There are not ways to get there if you live a good life. There are not ways to get there that if you're a church member, or if you've been baptized, he says he is the only way for you to be saved. He is the only way for you to be forgiven. He is the only way for you to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. He alone is the only one that builds a mansion for you. He is the only one who can welcome you into heaven. And so this morning, if you are here and you do not know Jesus, I'm not talking about what you did when you were 2 or 12 or 20. I'm not talking about what you did in the water. I'm not talking about your membership. I am talking about today. Do you know this day that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I don't know about Him. I don't know the things about the Bible. But I know Him. Friends, if you don't know Him, if you've not called upon His name to save you and to forgive you from your sins, then friends, heaven is not your home. But it could be. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but that's not where it stops, except through me. You see, friends, if you're here and you know Jesus, Life has got seasons that are hard. Life has seasons that are difficult. You said, Pastor, if I know you're going to suck the life out of us like this today, I'd have stayed home. That's okay. Stay home next week. But I'm telling you this morning, as God's people, we cannot get so busy that we live only for today. The Bible says tomorrow is not guaranteed. It's not a promise. And so while you think you have time, while you think you have time to tell your family what you ought to tell them, you think you have time to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, today 
is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you need to leave here knowing I'm not planning on dying today. You know, I'm, I'm not planning on checking out today. If God takes me today, though, I'm OK because I know where I am going. And the reason that many of you to here today don't have that peace is because you just don't know. You just don't know. But today, God doesn't want you to live that way. God wants you to know whom you have believed in and that he is able. Today, God wants you to know that you are in the palm of his hand. And as Romans 8 says, that nothing can separate you from his love. God wants you to know that. God wants you to live every day knowing, God, it's a gift. God, I'm thankful for it. God, I love you and I want to serve you. And God, I'll give you everything I have until the day, God, that you call me home. And I want you to know when God calls me home, I'm ready. I'm ready to see Jesus. I hate it for what it's going to be like for my wife and kids. And I don't minimize that at all. But I'm telling you, I'm ready. I'm ready to be in a place where there is no sin. Because I don't know if you know this or not. I struggle with sin a lot. But I'm ready to be in a place where there is none. Now, I'm hoping the Lord comes back and we all go together. That's what I'm praying for. But if he tarries, what I want most of all is I want my wife to be ready when God calls her number. And what I want is my six children. I want them to be ready when God takes them home. Because whether I get 80 years or I get eight more minutes, the way I eat is probably more eight minutes than 80 years. I want to be with Jesus and the people I love forever. And so I want to be like Samuel. I want to be faithful while God leaves me here. I want to be thankful for those who God has used to pour into me. And I want to be used by God no matter how long he leaves me here or no longer what I've been through. And so today I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you would, just out of an honesty between you and God this morning. No one looking around, please, this morning. If you're here today and you know that you are saved, you know that you have a relationship with Jesus and you're thankful that God has prepared a place for you in heaven. Would you raise your hand? Hands up all over the building. Thank you. You can put them down. Here in just a moment, when we start this time of invitation, you need to find a place and be thankful. You need to get along with God and say, God, thank you for saving me because I didn't deserve it. And I couldn't earn it. God, I couldn't afford a mansion that you've built. But yet because of your blood that was shed for me, I can have one. If you're here today and you couldn't raise your hand, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to bother you. I will never mention it to another soul. But I want you to know here that you can leave different than you came. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died upon the cross. That He is the one who took the punishment for sin on the cross. And that He died. And three days later, He arose. 
And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And one of these days, he's coming back for us. And friends, today the Bible says that if you'll repent of your sins, that means you have to, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, admit to God, I am a sinner. And I am turning from my sin to you, Jesus. I want you to come into my heart and life and forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And he will. He will. The Bible gives you a promise that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And so this morning, you don't have to leave here with a hope so, maybe so, think so. You can leave here today knowing that you know Jesus and that you're his. Second thing I want to ask you here this morning. If you have someone in your family that you don't know if they're saved or not. But you want God to save them. Would you just slip up your hand? Not very many hands compared to the last one. Friends, all of us have lost family members and friends. And the only hope they have is not a Baptist hope. It's not a 10 mile hope. It's a hope in Jesus Christ. And we ought to be lifting them up. That God would convict them. God would save them. God would use you and I as mouthpieces to share the gospel with them. That they might be saved. And so if you're thankful for being saved or you've got someone in your family that's not saved or that you're worried about, here in just a moment when I finish praying, you need to find you a spot at this altar or find you a knee where you're at and go to the Lord in prayer. But I want you to hear this this morning. If you're here and you're lost or if you're here and you're not sure, today that can change. And so while I pray that these altars are going to be full of God's people, I want you to know that you can come. It's not coming that saves you to me, but it's just reading the scriptures together, making sure you understand it, and that someone can hold you accountable. You say, Pastor, can I get saved in my seat? You absolutely can. Just Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the one who saves you through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But you ought to want other people to know it. So that you can be held accountable. So that we can celebrate with you. That we can pray with you. And so today if you're ready to give your heart and life to Jesus. When these other folks start coming. I want you to come. I'll be standing right down front. Maybe you've been saved. But you've never told a soul. Maybe you've been saved. But, you, <laughs> but you've never told anybody. And you're ready today to say I'm ready. I want people to know. You come. You come. And so I'm going to ask that you stand right now as we pray. And then when I finish praying, I'm going to ask you to come. Father, today I pray that you would have spoke to people. Lord, I know it's not the sermon I would have picked. It's not the sermon I would have drew up, God, but it's your word and I'm trusting it. I'm trusting that today, Lord, you would do what only you could do. That you could help heal those that are struggling with a broken heart. Lord, you could cause those that are saved to be thankful. Lord, that you could cause us to have a passion for the lost in our family. And Lord, today for that person that's responded to the convicting of the Holy Spirit, that you give them the courage to step out and come. Lord, I don't matter how old they are, how young they are, Lord, that today is the day that they know that they're saved. And so, Father, I pray that during this time to come that you'd take over, 
that you'd be in charge and that you'd get all the glory. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.